Hey, welcome to Oasis Singles. My name is Pastor Dave, and I'm so excited you're here. By the way, this site is not just about Christian dating service reviews and so forth, but it's also about life advice, all things Christian single. We have articles, we have interactive ways that you can get in touch with each other, and we also have podcasts that are all about the Christian life. I hope you enjoy our site, and I hope you enjoy the podcast you're about to listen to right now. God bless. But tonight I want us to deal with this. And as we get started, I want us to go all the way back to the very beginning of when God put creation in place. And I want us to go back for just a minute to the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. And in Genesis chapter 1, God is creating everything. I mean, there's nothing there. It's dark and it's void. And so God begins by creating the heaven and the earth. And when he finishes that, he says it's good. And then God begins to divide the heavens from the sky and the land from the sea. And he creates the fish and he creates the animals and he says it's good. And God creates everything. And then he gets down. And of course, you know, there in the garden of good and evil, God puts Adam. And he says that human beings are good. But then when he looks out at Adam there alone in the garden, God said it's not good. So all of these are goods, and then one isn't good. Pick up the story in your notes from Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Look at what God says. And the Lord God said, It isn't good for man to be alone. I will make a companion for him. You see, the Bible says that you and I are created for relationships. And this issue of loneliness, when we feel that way, is what's inside of us. We're desiring the companionship of another person. We're desiring to be in a relationship. And this is a natural state for you. But let me deal with one of the big myths about loneliness just right up front. And that's this. It's not a sin to be lonely. You see, some people have thought that it must be a sin to be lonely. But here's Adam in the garden of good and evil, that perfect place, and he's lonely. Now, God says it's not good, but he doesn't say it's a sin. You see, it's not a sin to be lonely, yet it's not God's desire for your life. You see, God has a greater plan. God has a higher plan for your life. God doesn't desire for you to be alone. Now, the deal with loneliness is we all face it from time to time. And loneliness is kind of an equal opportunity offender. Loneliness doesn't matter. For example, let me ask you this. Can you be rich and be lonely? You say, I don't know, but I'd like to give it a shot, okay? Can you be rich and be lonely? How about this? Can you be poor and be lonely? Of course you can. Look, you can be rich and be lonely. You remember Howard Hughes? Did you see the aviator? I mean, here's a guy that had it all, yet dealt with this issue of loneliness. You can be poor and be lonely. Look, you can even be beautiful and be lonely. I mean, just ask Marilyn Monroe. And we have a number of people in the fashion industry in our church who are, by the world standards, very beautiful. But they tell me about times they deal with loneliness. Can you be famous and be lonely? Of course you can. Elvis is a good example. Other stars that we know have it all, but yet are lonely. Can you be intelligent and be lonely? Albert Einstein said this one time. He said, it is strange to be known so universally and yet to be so lonely. You see, all of us face loneliness from time to time, don't we? And even some of the greatest saints of the Bible face times of loneliness. If you go to the Old Testament, you find story after story, including the great prophet Elijah, who dealt with bouts of loneliness in the book of First Kings. If you go to the New Testament, you find one of the greatest saints of all time, the Apostle Paul, dealing with loneliness. And I want to take you to a passage where Paul dealt with loneliness. This is not in your outline, but it's found in Second Timothy chapter 4. And Paul is sort of at the end of his life, and he's dealing with this bout of loneliness. And this little epistle, this little letter called Second Timothy 
Paul talks about his loneliness. And here in this chapter, he identifies the four most common reasons for loneliness. And I just want to give these to you. We're kind of heavy tonight on content, so try to find a space on your notes. And you can just jot these four things down. They're not listed for you. But the Apostle Paul says we face loneliness, number one, during times of transition. During times of transition. And Paul here is facing this new time in his life. He's in transition. He's actually in prison. That's enough to make you lonely. But he's facing this transition time. And maybe you're facing loneliness because you're in transition. You've just moved to a new city. You've just begun a new marriage. You've just got a new job. And that can lead to loneliness, transition. But also, Paul says that separation can lead to loneliness. He talks about some of the people, his dear friends like Luke and Mark. And he's separated from them by many miles. You see, when you're separated from friends and you can't spend that time and you can't find that need, and that also leads to loneliness. And then Paul says he experienced loneliness because he was dealing with opposition. He talks about some people who had stabbed him in his back and it hurt because the people he trusted had let him down. And we all know that experience of dealing with opposition. When something at work doesn't go out or somebody gives us a bad report. And then Paul said he was dealing with loneliness because he faced rejection. He acknowledges in this chapter that some of the hopes and some of the dreams that he was hoping to achieve with his life just weren't going to happen. And so he dealt with rejection. And these are very common causes. And maybe you're going through some of those. And maybe you can sympathize with the Apostle Paul in the midst of that. And you see, when the Apostle Paul faced this, he's reminding us that it's not a sin to be lonely. But he's also reminding us that we need to find ways to deal with with our loneliness. Because while it may not be a sin to deal with loneliness, there are some traps that we can fall into. If you look in your message notes, I have identified three of the most common traps of loneliness. Times when loneliness goes beyond just the norm and it really starts to take our life downhill. Here's trap number one. Just write this in. It's one you're familiar with. It's unhappiness. You probably noticed that. That when you begin to feel lonely, your happiness level tends to go down. I mean, you begin to turn inward and look within yourself, and the next thing you know, you're throwing that pity party around you. And that can lead to even more dangerous consequences like depression. And unhappiness is certainly one of those. Mother Teresa, who confessed to falling into the traps of loneliness from time to time, once wrote, Loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible type of poverty. We've all experienced that. Times when we're alone and our happiness level goes down. The second trap of loneliness is actually two sides of the same coin, what I would classify as escapism on one side and fantasy life on the other. Now, while these sound very different, they're really just two sides of the same coin. On one side of the coin, when you face loneliness, you tend to fall into this escapism. And this escapism here in New York City at least generally leads to workaholism. And what we do is we don't want to have to go home to deal with our loneliness, so we just throw ourselves into our work. And we think if we just avoid it and we just escape from it, literally, then we won't have to deal with it. Well, the other side of that is the trap of fantasy life. And that is when we can't escape literally, we escape mentally. And we withdraw. And we pull within ourselves and we kind of lock out the world. And by the way, that's a time when you easily fall into temptation, as we're going to talk about next week. It's a time when lust and things like pornography are so open to come into your life. But escapism and fantasy life. And then the third trap is one that, if we're honest, we've probably all fallen into from time to time. And that is when loneliness hits, we fall into the trap of bad relationships. Anybody want to stand and give a testimony to this one? Bad relationships. We've all had them. Some of us are in them now. We've got them. We've got the record to prove it. Got the coin, you know, got the star. 
Look, I've noticed that loneliness leads to a disorder in relationships that I call relationship blindness. And that is when you get into, when you start feeling lonely and you start having these emotions, we become so desperate for companionship that we overlook major flaws. And this relationship blindness can lead to a very serious consequence called blind dates. Okay, I'm just kidding about blind dates. But look, uh, I was set up on a blind date. My wife and I actually met on a blind date, believe it or not. And if you've ever seen my wife and you've seen me, now you can figure it all out. I had a jump start on it. No, but what can relationship blindness lead to? Well, relationship blindness can lead to all kinds of unhealthiness in a relationship. And it can lead you to kind of go forward in a relationship when you, could, you should be backing away from a relationship. And these kind of relationships have lasting effects on both parties. Lou Wallace observed, when people are lonely, they stoop to almost any companionship. So I wanted to identify these traps of loneliness right up front. Now look, maybe you're here tonight and you're feeling a bit lonely. If so, then I think tonight is going to help you out a lot. As we look to God's Word and as we look to the Bible and as we look to some of this teaching, I think we're going to be able to help you a little bit tonight. But I also realize that some of you are here and maybe you're not feeling very lonely. And I want you to know that's a great place to be. And from time to time, we all hope we're in that spot. But let me just encourage you tonight to take some good notes. Because more than likely, sometime in your life, you're going to experience that downward trap of loneliness. And maybe you'll need to return to these notes. Or maybe you'll be able to help a friend who's dealing with that. You see, everybody experiences loneliness from time to time. So let's look tonight at God's escape plan for loneliness. Five elements of God's escape plan. Here's element number one. The first element of God's escape plan is to not limit his solution. You can write it down as don't limit God's solutions. You see, when we get into this time of loneliness and we're falling into these traps of a bad relationship or escapism and fantasy life or we begin to feel unhappy, it's natural for us to want to devise human ways to get out of the traps. You see, when we're caught in that loneliness, it's really easy for us to start thinking of human solutions. But you see, the problem with our human solution is that our human solutions are less than God's highest solutions. Let me demonstrate with a story from the Old Testament. If your New Testament homework tonight is to read 1 Timothy 4 about the Apostle Paul, let me give you some Old Testament homework from Genesis chapter 16. In Genesis chapter 16, you find the story of Abraham and Sarah. And as you know, Abraham is one of the great giants of our faith. And Abraham in the Old Testament, God came to Abraham one time and said, Abraham, your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars in the heaven. But the only problem was for many, many years, he and his wife Sarah tried to have a baby and they just couldn't. And so they got discouraged and they said, God, I don't know if what you said is going to happen. So they began to look for a human plan to solve this problem. And so what they did is they called over one of Sarah's assistants named Hagar, and they devised this plan where Abraham would sleep with Hagar, and then obviously out of that came a child, a child named Ishmael. Now because of this human solution, some problems were created. There was a split in their immediate family, and you can read about that throughout the book of Genesis. But you know what? The problem that came from that lesser solution is still with us today. Because when you trace the descendants of Sarah and Abraham, that leads to the modern-day group we would call the Jews. But if you trace the descendants of Abraham and Ishmael, that leads to the modern-day descendants you and I would call the Arabs. And many of the conflicts today in the Middle East are from this 
area of disobedience where Abraham and Sarah limited God from working by seeking a lesser solution. You see, whenever you go after a lesser solution, whenever you settle for something less than God's best, there's consequences of that. With that in mind, look at your memory verse. It's from Isaiah chapter 55. And it reminds us that God has this highest plan for us. It says, My thoughts are completely different from your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Now this is your memory verse. I know it's kind of hard to do with the way it's printed in your program. But would you circle the three times the word higher appears in that phrase, in that verse? Three times it appears. Now you probably know that whenever God repeats something three times, it has a purpose. It's done for emphasis. And what he's saying is that God's ways for our life are the highest possible. To use poor English, it's the bestest possible. There is no higher plan for your life than God's plan. His thoughts are higher than ours. His plans are higher than ours. And so God says, don't settle for anything less. Look, was there a time when you were committed to God's plan? But maybe the trap of loneliness has got you and now you're looking for a human solution? Maybe in your mind, you thought you should have been married by now. And every year the calendar turns to another page, you start thinking, maybe it's time. And maybe you're going to look for a human solution. Maybe if you're married, and now you're in that marriage, and by the way, you can be married and lonely. That's just the reality. Loneliness has nothing to do with the distance between you and a companion. It has to do with the relationship. But you can be married and lonely. And maybe you're now married and lonely, and you thought that was God's plan for your marriage, but now you're thinking of a human solution, and you're thinking of looking outside that marriage and giving in to the temptation of adultery. Or maybe you've been waiting for that person to propose, but they don't seem to be taking it to the next level. And so now you're thinking about living together and putting in place a lesser solution. Let me challenge you tonight. Don't settle for something less. Hold on for God's best. Don't limit God's solution. Instead, trust this and hold on to this memory verse. I mean, even if you don't normally go to the back and get the little cards with the memory verse on it, get the one tonight and hold on to God's plan plan being the highest possible for your life. Don't fall into the trap of bad relationships because you limit God's plan. Risk connecting with others. To risk connecting with others. And this is what I'm talking about, connecting into healthy relationships. You know, healthy relationships are very hard to find in our city. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. I think it's really interesting that in a city where we would pass hundreds of thousands of people on an average day, it's so hard to connect. As a matter of fact, sociologists actually have a unique word for the difficulty of finding relationships in a city like ours, and they call it crowded loneliness. And we experience it every day. Because listen, you can be lonely in a crowd, right? I mean, this even happens in a church. I noticed that in our church, once we grew beyond about 30 or 40 people, it was really easy for people just to kind of sit in the back and to disconnect from people around them. Now, on the one hand, that's good because we want to create a safe environment at the journey where somebody can come and hang back and just check us out for a while. But on the other hand, that makes relationships pretty difficult to happen. But you see, God has a plan for this. God has the highest plan. You know, I've noticed that it makes no difference of the number of people around you as to whether or not you feel lonely, it's the relationship with the people that makes a difference. 
And so God's highest plan is laid out. And God has a plan for you to connect with people in healthy relationships. Look at Psalm 68, verse 6. This verse says that God places the lonely in families. Would you circle the word families? Now, I know what you're thinking. Does this mean I need to move back and be with my family? For example, let me just ask you this. How many of you are more than 100 miles from your family? Just hold your hand up. Yeah, look around. Most of us are in that situation. So you're saying, what is God saying? Look, when God talks about families, he talks about two types of families. One is your natural family. That's your mom, dad, your brothers and sisters, stepmom, stepdad, whoever you might call your natural family. And God understands that you're born into a natural family, but that natural family has a time limit on it. So God creates another family for you that can go with you wherever you are, and that's your spiritual family. And so God has created spiritual families for you to be involved in, and these spiritual families are what God gives you to solve the problem of loneliness regardless of the distance between you and mom, dad, or brother and sister. Kurt Vonnegut wrote one time, he asked the question, what should young people do with their lives? And his answer was, well, obviously many things, but the most daring thing is to create stable communities in which the terrible disease of loneliness can be cured. God was one step ahead of Vonnegut because God has created a community, a spiritual family in which you can find the cure for loneliness. And guess what? It's called the church. God's spiritual family is the local church. And today his family is gathered not only in this city and in this country, but also around the world. People come together as spiritual families. Maybe before you've heard us refer to uh, this church as the journey family. We're a family. We're one representation of God's plan. And God created you to be a part of a spiritual family. Now listen, some of us are lonely because we choose to be lonely. That's just a fact. But some of us are lonely because we choose to look in the wrong place to find relationships. You see, if you go to a place, the wrong place, and try to meet people there, no wonder you're going to find unhealthy relationships because the place itself was unhealthy. But God has created a place of health, a place where He's praised, and a place where you can come and find healthy relationships, and that's called the church. And I want you to look for just a minute at one verse about the first church, the early church in the book of Acts, and see if we can extract some truth about what God's family is to be about. Notice in Acts chapter 2, verse 44, talking about the place that God designed for His people to be together, the church, it says this, And all the believers met together constantly and shared everything with each other. Now hold on to that verse for just a second. Joseph Newton observed one time that people are lonely because they build walls instead of building bridges. From this verse, let me give you a couple of bridges that you can build to deal with loneliness from God's family and God's way. For example, would you circle the two words met together? Met together. This verse says that the believers met together. Now, if you study the book of Acts, you know they met together in two ways. They met, number one, in a large group. The Bible says that these early believers met together in the temple courts. And the temple courts was this large area outside the temple where the church gathered. It would be the modern-day equivalent of what we're doing tonight. We come together as a large group for celebration. But the early church didn't stop there. They also met together house to house. Now, why did God make them do both? Because he knew the large group was too big. The large group was great for celebration, but it was hard for community. 
So God created a small group. And he said they should meet together. And so small groups from that larger group met house to house. Look, Pastor Carrick was out here earlier talking about growth groups. We didn't just make that up. We didn't just say, well, you know, it'd be a good business plan for the church if we came together on these large groups and then we got together in these small groups. No, we didn't just make that up. That's God's plan for the church. We come together like this in a large group and it feels good to sing the songs and to celebrate, but then we meet together across the table from one another and we share together in small groups. And I want to challenge you to risk connecting with others. Now look, I know these leaders and I know these groups and I know there's no risk at all really involved in doing that. But I also can understand that from your perspective why you might be a little bit afraid. I mean, to sign up for a growth group, to go to somebody's house, to study in a deeper way. I mean, I might have to talk or I might have to share. But look, I want to challenge you to take the highest road and to not limit the solution, but instead get a part of what God's doing and get involved and see if God doesn't bless your life because of that. They met together. But then notice what else happened. Circle the words, they shared everything. They shared everything. Now, when Karl Marx and some of his followers read this verse, they said, oh, the early church, they were into communism. Now, they weren't into communism. They were into community. And real community happens when you make a commitment to share with one another. You see, the difference between just being together in real relationships is commitment. The difference between just dating someone and being married is not the ceremony. It's the commitment that's made between that couple. So it is in the church. The difference between just being a regular attender and being a member is commitment. And that's what sharing everything is about. And so I want to challenge you to share everything by taking the step of commitment to become a member at the journey. Look, if you've been just a regular attender for a while, now it's time to commit. It's time to stop dating the church. And it's time to step up and to make that commitment for membership. And be a part of a community where everything is shared. And we're a member-supported church. And it's the commitment of the members that makes everything that you see at the journey happen. And that's part of God's plan. And maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe you need to get in a group. Maybe you need to step up for membership. And let me just challenge one more that all of you can do. And that is to keep coming back. You see, risk connecting to others by coming back. Look, I don't know what brought you here tonight. Maybe you saw one of our ads about the new space, and he thought I'd check it out, or maybe you just wanted to come and see the Manhattan Center inside, or maybe, I'm sure none of you did, but maybe you came just to get the free movie ticket. Uh, I don't know what brought you here tonight, but let me challenge you to keep coming back, to keep coming back, to being a part of this, to putting yourself in a place where you can learn about why you're created, where you can learn about God's best, and where you can experience God's escape plan for loneliness. You see, it starts with not limiting God's solution. And it continues with risking by connecting to others. And then here's number three, a very practical truth, and I love number three. When we get lonely, we get selfish. And it's natural. Because when you feel lonely, you kind of turn inward on yourself. And so what happens is, we start thinking of ourselves even more. So we were lonely, but now all we're thinking about is ourselves, so we turn inward, and now there's the cycle of loneliness that continues just the spiral down and down and down. Because the more you focus on yourself, the more you pull away from other people. The more you pull away from other people, the more lonely you feel. And then the more you focus on yourself, and that cycle just continues. But God's escape plan for breaking that cycle is to focus on the needs of others first. You see, the contrarian truth 
is that the way to escape loneliness is to focus on others first. Here's how it works. This is the way God has wired the universe. Here's one of the big truths, not only for loneliness, but this applies in so many other areas of your life. And here's the truth. It's only by focusing on the needs of others first that my needs will ever be met. Did you get that? It's only by focusing on the needs of others first that my needs are going to be met. Someone says, well, God, if you'll meet my needs first, nope, doesn't work that way. You've got to go meet somebody else's needs. And then by meeting their needs, your needs will be met. Somebody says inside of marriage, well, when my spouse starts meeting my needs, I'll start meeting her needs. It never works. You have to meet her needs first, and then your needs are met. It works this way all over the place. Like yesterday, we had about 25 people who went down to Tompkins Square Park, and they provided free lunch for those who may not have otherwise had lunch. And they went out to meet the needs of others. Now look, some people got fed, and some needs got met. But guess also what happened in their lives? They went away feeling great. They went away knowing they had done something significant. Because by meeting the needs of others, your needs are met. It's like that in loneliness as well. You've got to break the cycle of loneliness and get outside of yourself and meet the needs of others. You say, well, where do I get the power to do that? You get the power by making a decision to do it. And when you make a decision to get outside of yourself because this is God's plan, His power comes into your life and helps you keep moving forward in that area. Look at what the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2. Don't be selfish. Don't live to make a good impression on others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. And so why did God say that? God said that because this is the answer to a life of significance. This is the, the answer to a life of having your needs met. Ben Ferguson, who's a surgeon but also a Christian writer, said this, Many Christians suffer from loneliness because they're sitting instead of serving. Now look, that idea is just an expansion of a teaching that I'm sure that you've heard. A teaching that you and I might call the golden rule. Have you ever heard the golden rule? More than likely, if you've ever been around church at all, you've heard the golden rule. See, the golden rule is not just about making a better society, although it would if we all practiced it, but it's also about making a better self, about you having your needs met, and about you being what God created you to be. And I love Luke's version of the golden rule, Jesus talking. In Luke chapter 6, just 12 very powerful words. Now, would you find that in your outline and then maybe join me in reading this out loud together? The golden rule says this. Join with me. Do for others as you would like them to do for you. Can we just read that one more time? Do for others as you would like them to do for you. Look, when you feel lonely, it's real easy just to sit, to sulk, and to get sour. And loneliness does tend to paralyze us. But I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to resist the temptation to do nothing when loneliness comes. Don't fall into that cycle. Instead, look for creative ways to break the cycle and get outside of yourself and find ways to serve others. And if you'll just open your eyes to that, you'll suddenly begin to see that there are all kinds of opportunities around you, both in this church and in other ways, where you can serve others. And that will break the cycle of loneliness and put you in a position where your needs are met. And the only way your needs are going to be met is if you first meet the needs of others. 
I just glanced backstage at today's program and found a few creative ways just to break the cycle. Let me just show you how easy this is. For example, the first thing I noticed in the program is that we have a mission trip coming up to Tampa. Now, we've been working with a new church, a church called Relevant Church, that's starting in the Arts District of Tampa, and they've invited us to send a team down to Tampa to help meet the needs of people in that community and invite them to church. And, uh, by the way, I saw in your program that it's 650 bucks. There's actually been some change in the hotel prices. It's only $500 now, so you can make that note. But uh, imagine that. Imagine what would happen in your life if you took a week off work or took your spring break And you went with a group of people from our church down to Tampa to meet the needs of other people. That's a creative way to serve. If you want information on that Tampa trip, just email the person on that card or write Tampa on the back of your connection card, and I'll try to get that to you. But that's just one way, so that's too radical. Well, maybe it is. I mean, taking a week off work. But here's another one. I saw in your program, there's this kind of retro-looking font on one side, and it says Super Service Thursday. That kind of caught my eye. Uh, what is this? Well, there's a group of people that normally get together on Thursday to serve the rest of the church. They get together to serve by putting together these programs, by preparing things for Sunday, and they have a great time doing it, and they decided that this is too good to keep quiet, so they're going to open that up to the entire church. And there's all kinds of volunteer opportunities that are going to be stacked up on that Thursday night so that you can come in to our office and get involved in serving other people at the church. And they're calling it a party with a purpose. And that's a great way to serve. It's a creative way to meet the needs of others first. Here's another way. I was thinking about this in light of the movie tickets. I know this week maybe you invited a friend to join you. Why not invite someone to join you next week? Look, if you're here tonight because somebody invited you, they invited you because they care about you. And they maybe found some teaching or found something encouraging here at the church, and they wanted you to experience that too. Well, why don't you do that again next week? Maybe you invite someone for the first time, or maybe you come, and by helping meet the needs of others, by focusing on others first, you're finding that God will break you out of the cycle, not only of loneliness, but in these other areas of your life where he wants to show you his highest plan. Does that make sense? Get that principle. Serving others first is the true path to having your needs met, and it's the third element of God's escape plan. Take the initiative. Build some bridges of service. Here's number four. In our times of loneliness, it's very easy to ask, where's God? Have you ever had that question come to mind? You have one of those dark nights of the soul and you're kind of like, God, have you abandoned me? Have you left me behind? Let me share with you a great theological truth. One of the greatest theological truths of the universe. And here it is. There is no place you are that God's not. There is no place you are that God's not. Now, for some of you, that's really good news. For others of you, you're thinking, you mean God was with me last night? I'm not so sure if that's good news or not. But look, you can't run from God. You try to run from God, He follows you. You try to hide from God, He goes with you into hiding. You try to turn your back on God, He runs around in front of you. God is always there with you. There's no place that God is not. Now, the key is to recognize His presence. Look at what the psalmist said. Psalm 139. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. And he goes on to talk about all these places he could go. But God is there. Look, in the midst of loneliness, God is there with you. 
Recognize His presence. Let His presence be a healing factor in your life. You know, there was a time when Jesus was here on earth. And He raised up these 12 disciples and He left them behind and they started the church. But just before Jesus left them, He gave them some instruction. Because Jesus had been with them for a number of years and now He was about to leave them. And physically He was going to descend to be with the Father. But He was going to leave behind His Spirit. And his spirit was going to stay, but his physical presence was going to go. And Jesus knew that this departing of the physical was going to maybe leave behind some feelings with his disciples. And so Jesus begins to talk with them. And Jesus says, look, my leaving is going to be a time of transition. There's going to be some changes. My leaving is going to be a time of separation. I'm not going to be with you. My spirit is, but I'm not going to be here physically. And Jesus said, my leaving is also going to lead to some opposition. Some people aren't going to want to hear the good news that you're going to share. And then Jesus said to his disciples, my leaving also might lead to some rejection. And it did. Many of those early disciples went on to die a martyr's death. So just before he left, in some of his final words, Jesus left them with this promise from Matthew 28, verse 20. It's in your outline. Will you join me again in reading Matthew 28, 20 out loud together? Jesus said this, And remember that I am always with you until the end of time. I caught some of you off guard. Let's read it one more time. And remember that I am always with you until the end of time. Would you circle that word always? I looked that up in the Greek. It doesn't mean sometimes. It doesn't mean, you know, he's not there. He's only with you when you're feeling really good. It means always. God is always with you. Open your heart to His presence. You know what's one of the best ways to do that? Spending time in God's Word. You want to experience God's presence? Just spend some time in God's Word. I don't know about you, but when my heart is feeling a little down and I'm feeling a little unhappy and maybe going through some difficult times, I'm naturally drawn to a book of the Bible called the Psalms. You know, we're doing these devotions on the Psalms that just started this week. You've probably been receiving them if you're in a growth group. If not, you can just write the word devotions on your card and We'll email them to you. But I don't know, something about the psalms just seems to kind of warm my heart. And uh, the psalm is just a collection of spiritual songs. It, often they were written in times of difficulty. And I found that in that time when you feel caught in this trap of loneliness, that there's something about going to God's Word and letting Him heal you and spending time in prayer and spending time in reading the Scripture that will just restore you. And it helps you open your eyes to God's presence God didn't leave you, but sometimes we're closed to Him, and the Scripture and prayer can just open that up. Here's the fifth element of God's escape plan. Just to kind of round it all out, number five, trust God's plan for my life. Trust God's plan for my life. I mean, this is really what it all comes down to in times of loneliness. It's so easy to turn our back on God and ignore His presence. It's so easy to focus on ourselves. It's so easy not to connect with others. It's so easy to try to limit God's solution. But the key in all of it is to trust God's plan. You know, I realize that many of you are here tonight and you're feeling lonely because this is the number one social disease in our city. And you know, I don't know what's causing the loneliness in your life. I mean, maybe it is transition. You've been going through a lot of change over the last few months or weeks. Maybe you've got a new job or a new place to live, or a new set of friends, maybe even a new marriage, and something's causing that loneliness in your heart. Maybe it's a separation. Maybe you're feeling distant. 
And a few minutes ago when we read that verse where Jesus said, I'll never leave you, I'll be with you always until the end of time. You resonated with that because you're feeling alone. Maybe you've been going through an opposition. Maybe you say, everybody's against me. I mean, at work, somebody's trying to stab me in the back or somebody's trying to trip me up. Everybody's conspiring against me. Maybe it's rejection. Maybe you face those words that we joke about on The Apprentice. You're, you're fired. But man, it hurts when it happens to us. And you experience this rejection, a, a relationship that you put a lot of hope in. It's just not happening. Trust God's plan. Let me encourage you to meditate on this last verse. In just a moment, our worship team has prepared a time of meditation on this verse. But let's read it together. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. You know, if you're here tonight and you're a Christian, maybe you're a strong believer and you're going through a time of loneliness. Look, I understand that happens to even the strongest of believers like the Apostle Paul. Trust God's plan. Stay with Him. Don't get outside. Don't go a different way. Stay with God. Trust His plan. Lean on this verse. Let it speak to you. And then I realize that maybe some of you are here tonight and you're, you're not yet a Christian. And, you know, I just want to say one last thing to you about loneliness, and that is a lot of our loneliness is really a spiritual vacuum. You see, we have this God-shaped void, this God-shaped vacuum in our life. And we sometimes try to fill it with anything else. We try to, you know, fill this void, and it's kind of like filling a round hole with a square peg. A lot of stuff just doesn't fit in that because that void in your life is shaped like God. And it's only when you ask God into your life and God comes into your life through Jesus Christ that you can begin to experience that spiritual wholeness. And it seems like that when you get this right with God, when you deal with your loneliness for God, then you're in a place where you can deal with other people in proper relationships. You see, you may think nobody cares about your loneliness, but God cares. Jesus cares. And if you're here tonight and you've never invited Jesus to come into your life, I hope you will. And I hope you'll let him take care of that spiritual vacuum. Will you bow your heads with me as we pray together? Would you just pray silently in your heart? Maybe just a prayer now and say, God, maybe you're going through a time of loneliness and you need to ask God to relieve some of the ache that you feel. Maybe, you know, on the outside, you look like you've got it all together, a good job and things are going well relationally and you've Look like you have it all, but inside you're feeling lonely. Maybe you'll just say, Jesus, help me recognize your presence. Father, help me to realize that you're here with me and that you're in my life and that I'm never ultimately alone. Help me to connect with you and to trust you. And if you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, if you've never started a relationship with him, maybe you'll just pray, Dear Jesus, come into my life and make yourself real to me. I want to trust you today. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the time that we've had together tonight. Time to study your word, to talk about these truths from the scripture. And God, I thank you that even a person as great as the Apostle Paul experienced times of loneliness. And God, tonight we turn things over to you, deciding to trust your plan, to connect with your family, to connect with the church, to get outside of ourselves and not hold a pity party, but look for ways to serve others with a purpose. And God, we want to recommit ourselves to your plan and say tonight that we trust your plan for our lives. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.